Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pre-Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I'm Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. And over the next hour or so, we're going to give you a condensed but complete preview of Kansas State's game on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium against the Missouri Tigers. That's right. Everything old is new again as the Missouri Tigers come to town for the first time facing the Wildcats in 11 seasons since conference realignment began to shuffle the deck so much throughout college football. The Tigers, of course, are now in the vaunted SEC as Kansas State remains in the Big 12, but these two programs know each other quite well. In fact, the last time that Kansas State met Missouri was in 2011 when Colin Klein as quarterback held off the Tigers 24-17 right here in Manhattan. Now Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator, and what a story that is. From player to coach to coordinator, Colin Klein is on the rise, as is Kansas State football. It's expected to be a sellout crowd at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday, and the weather is supposed to be beautiful, if maybe a little bit warm as the game progresses. But as I mentioned, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company is not only the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast, it is their fifth year of being our partners on this podcast. Make sure if you're looking for a car, you give Robbins some consideration. Great people. I love working with them. We buy our cars from Robbins. I hope you will consider doing the same. We've got so much in store. We have an extensive interview with Ryan Wallace from our Go Powercat staff. And Wally, of course, covers not only football recruiting for us, but pitches in on team coverage for us at GPC. And boy, he's got some thoughts on Missouri and what a talented team this is. But also, how does this impact the two teams, the two programs, as they run into each other on the recruiting trail in the future? We will also talk with Kansas State quarterback Adrian Martinez. He had a ho-hum first performance. He was okay, not great, didn't turn the ball over, wasn't asked to do much. K-State won 34 to nothing. survive in advance. Will more come from 9 a.m. in this game? I think we all expect that. We all know it's probably needed. 
but we will hear from Adrian himself as we get to the end of the first segment. In the second half of the show, we'll hear from Chris Kleiman and Deuce Vaughn and some others maybe, but we'll bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley, who is, of course, a former offensive lineman in 97 and 98 at Kansas State, and he serves as our football analyst. He got to see the Cats in person last week and was very impressed. This week he's back home in his main place in Frisco, Texas, and he'll be watching from down there. And then, of course, remember, folks, we will reconvene after the game. Brian and I will record the Powercat postgame podcast, which is sponsored by our friends at Caddyshack Golf. So make sure you don't miss that. And, of course, if you want further preparation for the game, the Friday walkthrough is a new piece of programming that we are providing at Go Powercat, our own Cole Carmody, and another one of our football analysts, Monty Spiller, a former defensive back in the early 2000s for the K-State program, late 90s, early 2000s, also joins him on that video. You can find that on YouTube, and if you don't want to watch the video, a podcast version of it will appear at gopowercat.com's podcast feed, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you're checking Checking out our YouTube channel and subscribing there and checking out our podcast and subscribing at your favorite podcast provider. So much to do, so much to cover. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace to talk about the Missouri Tigers and the Kansas State Wildcats on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And Wally, um, finding highlights of the first game is a challenge. Um, or excuse me, finding the whole game is a challenge. Finding highlights is not. So um, unfortunately, I did not record it because I'm not that bright. But Missouri got off to a good start. 52-24 victory over Louisiana Tech. Give me your assessment of the Tigers after one game this season. Um, you know, they, they took care of business, but in, in a way that really wasn't all that different from K-State. You know, I thought that they flashed some things defensively where you go, okay, you know, Blake Baker, um, the new defensive coordinator for the Tigers, drew up some things that I think will maybe allow them to take a step forward. I know that's been kind of the thought in Columbia is that's been the side of the ball that's held them back. And so I think, you know, some of the things that he was able to dial up, some of the, the pieces that he has to play with now on that side of the ball look good, very athletic, very active, not all that different from what we saw from K-State, um, but a, a very undisciplined team and a team that I think on offense is only going to take them as far as their offensive line and their quarterback can take them. I think they've got some They've got some playmakers, you know, a wide receiver. And I think even that running back room has some guys that they can rotate in to give them some matchup problems for uh, opponents. But um, overall, I just think that they were a little rusty on offense, um, not nearly as sound as the, in the trenches as they probably need to be um, to get the ball to their playmakers. And I think maybe that's where a team like K-State can take advantage. Well, you mentioned him in passing there, Luther Burden, the true freshman receiver for the Tigers is special. There's no doubt about it. You watch him and he just jumps out. Granted, he had only three catches for 17 yards. One was a TD. He ran the Wildcat, ran it in for a TD. So they're already putting him in places to make big plays. Uh, but uh, he's going to be a handful. And I think this receiving core will be a great test for Echo Boydeau, Julius Brents, and everyone else on that back end of the defense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think if we're being honest here, I think when the two teams take the field on Saturday, 
the Missouri Tigers are going to have two of the top three individual talents on the field if you're looking at it from um, maybe not only just what they are capable of doing at the college level, but certainly the NFL level, because obviously K-State will have Deuce Vaughn, but you look at Missouri, Luther Burden and Tyron Hopper, the Florida transfer at linebacker is a real talent. And But when you, when you talk about Burden, you know, they were able to, do some more things with him and put some more things on film that I, I thought Eli Drinkwitz would do out of the gate. Um, so I think K-State can at least somewhat prepare for it, but I think they're going to have a lot of different wrinkles again, as many different ways to get him the ball. He didn't return a punt, which I think surprised some of the Tiger fans. So maybe that's something that we see from him in Manhattan, but he's a really special talent. I, I do laugh a little bit though, Fitz, Folks around the Tigers program, I've seen thrown around the statement of generational talent. Did they did they forget Doriel Green Beckham? Yeah. <laughs> that, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, maybe he didn't pan out the way they'd hoped, but I mean, generational talent. I'd say the number one player in the country that was what six six, like two hundred and thirty pound, like LeBron James at receiver. I mean, he was generational talent. Luther Luther Burden. Um, you know, doesn't stand out in a crowd. But, yeah, he definitely does some special things with the football in his hands. Well, it will be interesting to see how K-State matches up with all these talents. You know, I, I agree with you on how Eli Drinkowitz approached game one. He didn't hold back. He kind of put a lot of stuff out there on film, left his frontline guys in for most of the game, and just kept chunking away. I mean, it was 0-0 after the first quarter. So they didn't get off to the rock and start that maybe K-State did. But, boy, they built ahead of steam. Uh, but you mentioned this earlier, Brady Cook, the quarterback, he looks solid but unspectacular to me. What is his upside and downside? Well, I think he's still a mystery. You know, he's a sophomore. He, he's gotten some experience last year and I think played maybe three games the year before in 2020, the COVID season. I think he can keep a defense honest with his feet, but, uh, you know, in terms of his running style, you know, it's, it, it, you know, he's not Daniel Sams. He's not Michael Bishop. I mean, he's Jesse Ertz maybe um, would be the comparison where he's got enough to maybe make you miss. And he's got a frame that might be able to break a tackle, um, but probably not two. Um, and then from the standpoint of him as a passer, I just think that it's hard to put, a whole lot of stock in really what he is or what he can be because Eli Drinkowitz has never, I guess, unlocked him. Um, and I don't know if that's because he doesn't have an arm to unlock or if that's just the style, but a lot of his passes are, you know, short to medium variety. Um, he carries a career percentage that's a completion percentage. that's fairly good. But again, I don't think they they've asked him to do a whole lot this year. They've got a receiver and a package of receivers that I think, they want to do a little bit more. They want to stretch the field. I just don't know if Brady Cook's the guy to do that. Yeah, that's what I kind of saw. I saw a reliable quarterback. He did make one uh, mistake with the interception, but doesn't seem to have the big frightening arm. And uh, they have a, a pretty good running game to complement him. Uh, they looked good against what I thought was a really st- – just unexpectedly slow, non-responsive Louisiana Tech defense. I I felt like they were playing in mud half the time. They were so slow to the ball. They won't see that against K-State. Do you think K-State's defense can handle the front of this so that the run game doesn't become an issue? I think so, and I think the, the big matchup for me to watch, or not only just from 
uh, you know, run defense standpoint, but also um, creating some pressure in the pocket. You know, there's going to be a lot of conversation about Felix Anudike Uzama and, and what he did in very limited time on the field against South Dakota. Now he has a chance to, you know, really go against a Missouri offensive line that, like I said, uh, was a bit rusty and out of sync, I think, in the first game. But the, the one for me, though, that I think will add even more to and help uh, Felix's chances to have a big Saturday morning is Eli Huggins in the middle against Connor Tolleson, uh, touted fresh, uh, touted recruit, excuse me, when he came into the Missouri program. I think he even had an offer from Alabama, uh, an in-state product for them. But, you know, a guy that I think – uh, the inexperience might get him against a guy like Eli Huggins, who's just so sound, um, has been in this system, been in college now for a number of years, where I think he'll have his hands full with a guy like Eli Huggins. And I think that will ultimately, like I said, not only just help in run support, but also um, maybe add to Felix Anudike, um, add to Nate Matlack and Jalen Pickle's ability to get some some pressure in the pocket and passing downs, too. And Eli Drinkowitz even called out his offensive line for not being physical enough against Louisiana Tech, and they weren't. They were pretty much just screening guys off, and they didn't have to really get physical because they weren't getting any physicality in return. Missouri better be physical with Kansas State's front, or it's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, this game really does. There will be a lot of talk about the playmakers like we've already done. This game really is going to come down to the trenches. Yeah. Uh, who, who can be more physical? Who's going to win up front? I like Missouri's defensive front fits. I really do. They, they're already top 25, granted, one week. They're already top 25 in, in half great, um, you know, which takes into account kind of pass deflections, tackles for loss, those sorts of things. They're already a top 25 group in the country right now. So, I mean, a guy like KT Levinston's going to get tested. Christian Duffy's going to get tested. Um, but again, I, I just go back to if we're talking about a game that's going to be uh, predicated by defense and you're looking to see which defense is going to rise most and be strong enough and which offense might have enough capabilities to move the ball just a little bit more and score just a little bit more than the other. Uh, I, I still come back to, I think, K-State being the more seasoned team on both sides of the ball and being the more physical team in the trenches is ultimately going to be what helps them get to 2-0. and Missouri's defense did struggle last year. You mentioned the new defensive coordinators come in, and what they did against Louisiana Tech was completely smothered the run. 22 rush attempts, 8 yards. So they took away the run completely. But as Bill Snyder always told me, you can take away anything you want, but what's the price you're willing to pay? That price for Missouri was 336 yards of passing offense for Louisiana Tech and three touchdowns, all of them deep, all of them getting behind the coverage or beating the safeties. I'm intrigued by what K-State didn't show in game one and what Missouri did show in game one and how these fit together because K-State didn't put a long ball threat on the field last Saturday. They pretty much got to do it this Saturday, don't they? Yeah, yeah, K-State's yard per pass coming out of week one was like five yards. And that's with, <laughs> you know, senior guys that are fourth-year juniors, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks. I mean, guys that we know can stretch the field, and they, they went five yards per pass. Um, I, I said it off the top. This is a Missouri defense that is really active, really athletic, but really undisciplined across the board. I, I mean, as a team, they had 10 penalties last week. But you mentioned it. I mean, this is a secondary that could come out in Manhattan, and they're going to chirp 
much like their coach, this is a team that will probably be chirping most of the game. Um, but this is a defense that, you know, can go out there and they might stifle K-State for a series or two. But it, all it takes is one play where I think they get a little overconfident where the, the, whole, the wheels could fall off. Um, they're relying big on Joseph Charleston, uh, Clemson's uh, transfer safety in the back to, I think, really kind of be the, the brains behind everything and get them set up and, and be kind of the, the guy that they can rely on. And he had a pick, uh, would have had two, I think, um, if it weren't for a defensive P.I. call. Um, so, you know, he's a guy, and they've got some other players in the secondary that are very athletic, that are very capable of sticking with a Malik Knowles, but they're also very capable of fighting. And I listened to some podcast fits this week leading up to this game from the Missouri side, and one of the, the one few knocks I think that they had on the defense was, yeah, for as active and athletic as they are, they bit a lot on play-action fakes. Does that sound like something that Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn can do yeah. pretty well, pretty yeah. well on Saturday? It really does fit um, exactly what K-State will present because they so sold out for the run, even when it was obvious a run or they suspected it was a run, they were willing to give up the deep ball. And, yeah, K-State's just got to answer. And this will be what K-State does to defenses all year long. You've got to take away the run, but is K-State capable of cashing in? And I think a lot of fans are concerned about that. I'm less concerned than they are probably on average, but in reality, they didn't show it at all. And I got to compliment Adrian Martinez on going out in game one, completing, what, 11 of 15 passes and having a passer rating of 17, which I didn't know was possible without a (laughs) turnover in the game. No turnovers, a passer rating of 17. The lowest passer rating I've ever seen, but... That's not indicative of the quarterback we're going to see. I don't think that is in any way a reflection of what we're going to see going forward. They're going to open it up a little bit for Adrian Martinez. His pocket presence scared me last week. I agree. I, I got to be honest. But I also it, it also struck me almost as if a player that was told beforehand, like, you're not allowed to run out of the pocket because we don't want to get you hurt. Um, so, you know, just stay in there as long as possible, even if there's nothing there. I mean, that's what it came off to me as, um, so I, I'm with you. I do feel like it was maybe more scheme, um, more game plan than, than what we will see overall from Adrian, but it was, it's a little nervous. This game is just huge fits because it's two teams that are kind of at a crossroads right now for this season and also for the future ahead. You know, not just I think I thought thought about this when we were talking about Adrian Martinez just there of, of, you know, it's kind of a crossroads for him to really prove himself. But it's also a crossroads for these two programs. You've got a Missouri team Fitz, we do something really cool that's new on 24 seven this year called a college team talent. You can find it in our drop down menu and it basically rates how much recruiting talent um, is perceived from the 247 composite scores on each team's roster. Missouri comes into this game 31st in the country as far as overall team talent. K-State 67th. You've got a coach in Eli Drinkowitz that I think is very arrogant. You know, he's the play caller. He's an offensive mind. I think he has a lot of Ron Prince tendencies in the way that he can kind of play you into a game or, or play call you out of a game if you're the Missouri Tigers. And then you've got K-State that you know, is, is Chris Kleiman, who's kind of, you, you said it on the podcast this week, got maybe a, more Bill Snyder tendencies than we even thought he would. <laughs> um, and, and to me, it comes down again to development. 
You've got all this talent from Missouri. Granted, a lot of those uh, highly rated recruits that they've had are freshmen and sophomores, guys that are more in their two and three team than, than their first string. Um, but I go back to, you know, Eli which has really struggled with developing guys. I think K-State has a knack for developing, being a program of development. This game on Saturday can really kind of uh, bring those storylines to the forefront and really kind of decide what track each of these schools are on, which team is proving themselves as we move towards the future, which team is going to either, if you're Missouri, shake off this idea that they can't develop, or if you're K-State, wow, this team really does develop that well. And they've got a team in 2022 that can really be what everyone expects them to be, this dark horse contender, or a Missouri team that everybody kind of thought might be middle of the road that comes in and surprises the K-State team, and boom, they're right back on track. Well, I'd like to welcome you to the club of the olds, because this week you're among those who have memories of Kansas State and Missouri playing this series that ended 11 years ago when they left for the SEC. And there will be some fans out there who have a little heat about this game. The student body was not really conscious of it in grade school. Maybe some of them were. The players were too young. But even though the coaches, only Colin Klein was around, of course, for those previous games, the coaches understand this rivalry from a recruiting aspect. They trip across each other a lot on the recruiting trail, and it can get a little bit ugly, can it? Yeah, I mean, you and I still remember, you know, the awkward handshake between Bill Snyder and Gary Pinkle. I think that might have been that that very last game. I mean, there is a bit of a rivalry. It's not Missouri KU. It's not K-State KU, but definitely a regional rivalry that exists in this one. I'm glad you brought up recruiting, too, because I think for uh, a series of years there, it had kind of gone dormant. I think Missouri really wanted to embrace their SEC um, relationships and really kind of get a stakehold and put their foot down in some of those territories and maybe took their foot off the gas in Kansas City a little bit. And that's where we saw K-State rise up and take Elijah Lee without, you know, a whole lot of uh, fanfare from Missouri, take a Jordan Willis, a Skylar Thompson. And now it's back again. Now you're starting to see these two teams collide because you've got a staff at Missouri that I think wants to, is trying to lead Kansas City prospects to believe that they really uh, are are intrigued by Kansas City the same way they are St. Louis. It's a falsehood. Um, hmm. But you're starting to see these two teams go head-to-head a lot, and it's getting a little dicey, as I talked about um, in the Missouri as Recruits content piece that, that will run on Thursday uh, on our site because, you know, I talk about Eli Drinkwitz's, whether he trolled Avery, Johnson or not with the whole Josh Manning thing, but yeah, there's, you'll notice in that piece, there's a lot of guys that these staffs are, have gone head to head over. Um, Missouri has maybe gotten the better of them on more occasions than not. But uh, I think the way that Kansas city has been targeted by K state lately, um, I, I think especially what you're going to see with 50 to 60 plus kids um, from the 2024 class, mainly, on the sidelines uh, on Saturday, specifically some big name guys from Kansas City, Liberty North and Lee Summit North. Um, you're going to see that K-State's not going anywhere, and these, this is going to be a recruiting rivalry that's here to stay. We haven't talked much about Felix Anyadike Uzama and Deuce Vaughn, a couple of those recruits that maybe don't move the needle in any 
recruiting rankings, but they moved the needle on the field. This is a big game. They're both potential NFL guys coming out early. How effective do you think those two guys will be with an SEC opponent? Well, like I said, I think I, I suspect Felix will have a big day, and I think that there's uh, maybe a little bit more motivation riding for him. There wasn't much of a look given to him by the Missouri staff coming out of high school in Lee Summit, you know, Missouri product. So I think he's got some motivation, and I think he also has uh, the kind of strength to weakness comparison, uh, com- contrast going on where I think this game really favors him. With Deuce Vaughn, it's interesting. He's one of the few guys that did have a Missouri offer that chose to go to Kansas State. Not many on the K-State roster can say that. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that he's going to struggle in this game by any means. Um, I just think that the Missouri defense has the tools um, that can maybe keep him in check more than uh, we saw, certainly against South Dakota. Um, he'll have to probably do a little bit more, and I would imagine Colin Klein will want to do a little bit more with him as a receiver, maybe exploiting some of the linebacker matchups. But I would definitely lean on Felix maybe having more of a statement-type game than Deuce. But, yeah, K-State's going to need them both to put away Missouri in the fashion that I think they'd like to. Does Adrian Martinez need to be great or just not make mistakes and be good and better than he was in week one? Better than he was in week one, um, but still a manager. I This doesn't feel like a game, especially after watching Missouri Fitz. I think you and I are on the same page. Maybe I had this idea of Missouri being a little bit more talented than they are or cohesive than they are. I think this is a team that K-State can get by with Adrian Martinez just not turning the ball over and maybe you know keeping a defense a little bit more honest with his arm and his legs than we saw in week one, but I don't think we need, you know, a 300-yard passing day, a 100-yard rushing day from Adrian Martinez. It's just got to be managing the game, moving the chains, not committing turnovers. Does K-State win this game? I think Ryan Gills-Gilbert had Mm -hmm. uh, the the line at minus eight for K-State. I think that they're going to cover that. Uh, Ultimately, maybe K-State gets up by three scores. I think in the end, it'll probably be more of a two-score game, pretty tight early on as the teams kind of feel each other out. But ultimately, I think K-State will wind up being the better team overall and throughout. And I think they'll win by more than eight. Maybe it's 10, maybe it's 14-ish. Um, but yeah, I, I got the Wildcats covering in week two, second straight week. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers recruiting and the team for us at GoPowerCat.com. Boy, he's very familiar with those recruiting clashes between K-State and Missouri in the KC Metroplex. And he will be on top of that as we go forward. And we're going forward now in our show. And we're going to bring in 9 a.m., the new starting quarterback for Kansas State, Adrian Martinez. And we start off from his Tuesday press conference with the thought, you're playing Missouri. What do you think? Incredibly excited. You know, be a part of a, an old school Big 8 rivalry. I know we're sold out and uh, we have a lot of Missouri guys on the team. You know, a lot of guys that are passionate about this game. When you think of SEC, what comes to mind? They've dominated the last uh, several years of the college championship, you know, um, and, and they're always seen as a very talented uh, conference. So 
it'll be a challenge. And I think no matter what SEC team you play, you know it'll be a challenge. How cool is it to see your center over there wearing your merch? Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty cool, you know. I think I'm more proud of his mustache, but the sweater's pretty nice. Would Adrian Martinez wear a 9 a.m. shirt? No, I won't. Uh, I don't think I could, I could do that. But it is cool to see my teammates do it and um, my family and my girlfriend got a shirt. It, it, it just shows you what NIL is and, and what it means. I mean, it's kind of a dream growing up as a kid, seeing that type of stuff. So uh, you never know how long it'll last, too. Look at 48 hours of perspective, how do you evaluate the offensive play from Saturday? Yeah, um, I think we were solid, uh, but room to improve, right? Um, I think, again, what I said after the game, a couple ment- mental errors, um, a couple penalties. I think we were in third and long maybe a few too many times. Um, and there's some things that, that we could do to correct that. What can you do in terms of pocket presence, those things? What did you notice? Yeah, I think uh, sometimes uh, just a reminder of having that clock in your head, when to get down to your back and when to scramble. Again, there's a fine line between um, when to hold in there and throw the ball and when to scramble and get yards. So continuing to find that and continuing to know which plays I can do that on and which ones not to. How important will it be to stretch the field against the Missouri defense? Yeah, I think it will be important, and that's something that, that we're looking to do. I think it's critical to any offense to be able to do that. With Missouri in particular, uh, they look like they brought a lot of pressure. Uh, As a quarterback, does that kind of change your mindset and and maybe look for those big plays? Um, I wouldn't say that in particular changes my mindset about looking for big plays. Um, But it is, again, goes back to that time clock in your head and knowing when they're bringing pressure, knowing when you got to get it out hot. How comfortable did you feel running the football on Saturday? Yeah, I felt very comfortable. Um, It's it's part of my game and, and something that I'll continue to utilize. Have you caught some things in film evaluation that kind of set off a light bulb? Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, each game you go over the film and, and review certain plays, and I think uh, a couple of those those plays might change how I do things in the future. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Uh, really do a nice job running the football. Uh, they've got a, a, a kind of a wide zone or stretch uh, run game and some counter that uh, is really effective, really good guys up front, uh, a number of backs that uh, can sprinkle in, and then um, very, very dynamic at the wide receiver position. 
um, guys that can hit home runs, whether it's through the vertical passing game or jet sweeps or just getting the ball out in space. Uh, they do a lot of things. It's going to be a big challenge for us. Last Saturday at the Bill uh, was an electric crowd. I know our kids really appreciated the, the fans coming out, the, the students, uh, our bands as good as, as always. And uh, it was a great atmosphere. And I, I know our players really appreciated that. So I want to thank the, thank the fans. And I uh, challenge them even this week. It's going to need to be even, uh, even louder and more electric. And I think it will be for this great game. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast featuring myself, Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and in this segment, our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley. And of course, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. That was Chris Kleiman coming out of the commercial break that you heard from and his thoughts on the Missouri Tigers, Kansas State's opponent, Saturday morning at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Kickoff is at 11 a.m. The game, of course, is on ESPN2. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Now we bring in our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley, the one and only who uh, is still recovering from his Bill Snyder Family Stadium experiment experience uh, last week. This one you'll see from home, though, right, Brian? That is correct. I will be at home for this one. And in watching what I have seen of Missouri, this is an improved team. How much yeah. we might find a better measurement on Saturday than we did a week ago or nine days ago. They played on a Thursday against Louisiana Tech. And honestly, I thought Louisiana Tech was pretty atrocious. They hit Missouri with some deep balls. They couldn't run the ball. Um, and that alone kind of stands out to me about the difference with this Missouri team. They took away a team's running game. And yeah. I think that was an important step for Eli Drinkowitz's program. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the thing last year is that everybody could do whatever they wanted against them, especially run the football and to be able to take that away. Now, again, it's Louisiana Tech, so we can't go overboard, and it's just one game. But, you know, you can only do what you can do against the people that are in front of you. So, And they did that. So I think it will be a good test for us because Missouri's improved. They just are. They're a better football team, at least in my eyes. And, again, after one game of seeing them, I just think they're a better football team than what they were last year. As I discussed with Ryan Wallace in the first half of the show, They've got talent. There's no doubt. If you just line up the Jimmys and Joes, they got more. They, they've got yeah. more than Kansas State. What they don't probably have more of is is cohesiveness and, and overall team concept. But if they can get there, this could be a pretty good uh, Missouri team this year. I don't think they're there yet, Brian, but this game would be huge for Missouri, just as it'll be huge for Kansas State. This game has some stakes for both programs. Yeah, it absolutely does. Look, if we're going to be the type of team that we want to be, then this is a game we have to win, and I think win convincingly. Now, I don't mean we have to beat them by 35 points or anything like that, but I don't think that this should be a game that goes down to the wire. I think when you put pen to paper, and you're correct, they have more Joes than we do. But you know what? When you talk about Joes, you really don't talk about interior offensive linemen as as Joes, you know, so to speak. They don't really talk about that. And that's where Kansas State, I believe, has the advantage. Now, Missouri's defensive line are going to be super athletic. So we're going to have to handle that. But just I think we're a more physical football team than they are. And I think in the end, that's going to win the day. I'm actually shocked at how 
unphysical. Is that a word? Lacking physicality Missouri plays with. Uh, It kind of jumped out of me. I thought Louisiana Tech was uh, shockingly slow on defense, which I I don't know how you do that in Louisiana, but they were. At least they they weren't playing up to speed, and it kind of showed as that game went on. What they did do, though, is they took away the run, as I said. They absolutely stifled it. Louisiana Tech with eight yards. But I suspect K-State with a bigger, better offensive lineman and a pretty special running back in Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez back there, they're going to put a lot more on the field in the running game. I'll get to the passing game, but in the running game than they did in in game one, in week one, because they held a lot back. And this is a different playbook. So are you excited to kind of see what they put out there in the running game as an old offensive lineman? Absolutely. I mean, you could just watch our game last week. It was all vanilla. I mean, we didn't do anything special. Now, and I, but we didn't have to. You know, it's just, hey, let's get out there. Let's kind of do what we do. It was a lot of vanilla stuff. We're going to have to be better than that this week, and we're going to have to bring out a lot more, which I think they will. You know, we, we need to do that. Let's. We've got to put our best foot forward to win this football game, so we need to put our best foot forward. Playing physical at the line of scrimmage as an offensive lineman, that's literally what you want to do. Yeah, we like pass blocking, but we like to be able to move – people out of the way and that's one of the things that our offensive line can do now again missouri's defensive line is physical or i shouldn't say so much physical they're athletic not physical they're athletic so that can present some of its challenges in itself but i think our offensive linemen are are athletic enough to handle all that and i just think that being able to just run the football when we want to run the football is the key because it's one thing to run the football it's one another thing to run it when you want to run the football and that's a totally different thing or better yet when you have to run the football maybe that's better a better way of saying it and i just believe k-state is going to be able to do that this week i remember three plays that were attacking the edge in the run game the first play of the game malik Knowles jet sweep Later, Deuce Vaughn gets around the right end for a touchdown. And then a little bit later in the game, D.J. Giddens goes around the right end for a touchdown. So running to the perimeter was available to K-State. They just didn't do much of it on to, on nope. purpose. They just stuck it between the tackles and said, here we go. We're going to run out the clock. We're going to win this game comfortably, and we're going to get out of here without turnovers and injuries as much as possible. Although Taylor Portier, as we mentioned, is now done for the season, unfortunately, oh. for Kansas State with another traumatic knee injury. This one, we believe, is to this opposite knee that he rehabbed all last year. Just awful for the young man. But I think the mismatch in this game is K-State's physicality along those lines because you're right. It's it's going to be a game about – every game is, but this one's going to be very obvious. It's about the trenches and who's doing what on the inside. And K-State's defensive front, I sense, is way too physical for Missouri's front. Just too active and too physical. And also Eli Drinkowitz made a point of saying at his press conference this week – We haven't seen this front from anyone. It's a three-man front, but what they do with it is completely different. And uh, everyone starts mentioning, you know, the 3-3 and Daniel Green and Felix and Eli and Nate Matlack. And pretty soon they're at the whole front. They've mentioned everyone, basically. How difficult as an offensive lineman is it to go up in a week with not a season's worth of preparation, not a bunch of other teams doing the same thing in your back pocket and see a defensive front that is completely foreign? Well, it's difficult because 
even when you practice it, you know, you're not practicing against, you know, the number one defense or even the number two defense. That's not what you're practicing against when you see these looks. That's what makes it difficult because you don't get those types of looks, you know, from a defense that's running that, that the guys are super athletic or super strong. You know, it's scout team defense and stuff like that. So that's what makes it difficult. So it is difficult, you know, as an offensive lineman, you know, and it takes film study to understand what they're doing. You know, and again, there's only been one game, so you don't even really have a whole lot of that. So it's more of, hey, this is what we're going to run. See guys in your area, block the area, be where you're supposed to be, because when you're not, that's when guys start running free. Last week, Adrian Martinez threw the ball downfield once. An incompletion, a little bit underthrown to Phillip Brooks, but they didn't really try to throw it downfield that much. South Dakota wanted to take that away. I get it, but they just weren't looking down there, particularly in the second half. They got to do it this week. That's where Louisiana Tech stuck in the game, you know, to the degree they did. They had three deep balls that went for touchdowns. While Missouri was so busy taking away the run, they gave up the pass. Adrian Martinez has got to prove he can get the ball downfield and be comfortable in the pocket on the same play. And if he doesn't, I'm worried K-State's in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Got to be able to throw the ball down the field. And again, you don't always have to throw the ball over somebody's head. But throwing the ball down the field means, hey, 15, 20, you know, intermediate routes, throwing the ball literally down the field over the middle. You have to be able to do that at this level is if you can't, you can't win at this level. It's just the way that it is. So and you do have to take your shots as well. You've got to be able to throw the deep ball and and complete some passes. Because if you're just throwing it down there and you're overthrowing it or you're throwing it out of bounds, that doesn't do any good. And defenses will stop being, I mean, they won't take you honest. They won't take you seriously. So, and then you can't run the ball. So you got to throw the ball down the field. You got to complete some of those passes. You know, we'll just chalk up last week is we didn't want to do it. We wanted to save ourselves, you know, and save what we got. That's fine. This week is something different. We're going to need stuff in our playbook to go win this football game. Absolutely, they will. They'll need to open things up quite a bit. We talked about this a little bit on the postgame show, and we'll have another edition of the postgame show. This one will go up on Sunday for our listeners at GoPowerCat.com and around the K-State Nation. These programs have a long history, a really long history, going back before the Big 12 and the Big 8 and the Big 7. You can go back. They've played each other a lot, but they haven't for 11 years. But I always felt like out of all the former Big 8 institutions, the one fan base that never accepted that Kansas State had a whole new identity in football was Missouri. They never accepted or could believe what Bill Snyder did, and they continued to look down upon the program. I'm just wondering, will the kids on the field understand kind of the hatred of this rivalry, or is that so long ago, it's nothing to them? It's just a school down the road that maybe they wanted to recruit them and didn't. You know, I mean, it could be a little bit of both because, yeah, they haven't played in 11 years. And the kids that are going to be on the football field, I mean, they were in grade school, you know, the last time that any of this happened. So, you know, it's a long time down the road that they haven't played each other. I think it's going to be a lot more of a rivalry for people that live in the area. Kansas City, St. Louis, you know, even in Kansas and Wichita, you know, it's going to be more for those kids, I would think. But 
if we're smart, we tap into exactly what you just said, because even when I was there and we were beating Missouri's head in, they still looked down at us. Like we weren't as good as we they are. And I'm like, did you just watch what just happened? And that's how they felt. I mean, I even knew guys that went to Mizzou that we just whipped you and they still, well, you're still a K state. I'm just like, Oh my goodness, this is insane. Like, what are these people thinking? Yeah. Like we've beat you a hundred years in a row. What are you talking about here? So I don't know. It was, you're right. Everything that you said, you're 100% correct. I don't know why they feel that way. It, and now it's even worse because they're in the sec. So now of course they're better than we are. So it, it just, it's ridiculous, but we'll see. What I like about this matchup for K-State, at least about the test more so than the matchup itself, is Missouri puts some good offensive skill players out there. Luther Burden, the freshman receiver, is special. they got a good group of running backs. they got an adequate quarterback that might be capable of playing at a level we haven't seen yet. And I just love the way K-State can match up with that, with the run stoppers and the corners that have been proven this is going to be a great test for the K-State defense as they kind of ramp up in the schedule to get ready for some pretty good Big 12 offenses. The one thing about Mizzou, Mizzou can put points on the board. They consistently get these big-time athletes that go there. I'm not sure how they do it, but they do. And, you know, this is going to be a test. I mean, they've got some skilled players over there that can play some football. So K-State's going to have to be where they're supposed to be, run to the football, play extremely physical up front, you know, and cover. You know, they try to get the ball to guys in, in certain spaces and get them in space. You know, so that, I mean, we're going to have to run to the football. It's going to be a test. Uh, it's one that I think that we can handle, but it is definitely going to be a test. People shouldn't be discouraged if Missouri scores a few points. Yeah, they will. Uh, I don't have any doubt that they will. The shutout against South Dakota was nice, but I think Missouri is going to get down the field. They'll make some big plays. They just will. That's who they are. Um, and then we'll we'll see how K-State responds to that. Is this a game K-State wins? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's a game that it'll be close. I mean, it's not going to be just be a blowout. And I think in the fourth quarter, we put our best foot forward. I think we wear them down a bit, and we win at least by 10 points, at least by 10 points. Well, that's interesting because the spread, as we will talk to Ryan Gilbert here in a little bit, is eight uh, in favor of the Cats. So that would be a cover for all you newbies betting in the state of Kansas. <laughs> all of you new centers out there, welcome to the club. Um, <laughs> Brian, I'm fascinated by this game, not just because of the result we'll see on the field and how these teams fit together in terms of X's and O's, which you and I both love, but how it sets up K-State for the rest of the season. I think a loss would be a serious black eye and a bump to the confidence that they don't need a win takes them into Tulane next week another game they should win preparing for Oklahoma to open big 12 play in a couple weeks we should find out the kickoff time for the Oklahoma game on Sunday or Monday Brian how big is this game for the context of the 12 game season that still lies ahead I think it's gigantic you know, I know it's the second game of the year and you can't get into, oh, well, it's a must win for me. It is. If we, it, like I said at the beginning, if we're going to be the type of football team that I think that we all want to be, expect to be, and can be, this is a game you have to win. You can't lose this game because if you do, then it's just what you said. The confidence level goes down. And then, you know, we may, whatever happens with Tulane, which we should win, maybe we don't look as impressive or or maybe we do. And then, But it's just, you got to win the football game. You just got to win this football game. If K-State's going to be the team that we all think that they are, 
you have to be able to beat Missouri at home. It's just flat out that simple. He is Brian Hanley. He's our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com. He played 97-98 for those incredible K-State teams, and he will join me again after the game for the post-game show as we try to wrap up a K-State victory. We hope to be wrapping up a K-State victory and begin to look ahead to the Tulane Green Wave coming in on Saturday. Brian, I appreciate it so very much. No problem. Thank you. And now let's hear from Deuce Vaughn. How much does this game mean to the team? Well, let's hear from Deuce about his friend and roommate, Felix N.U.D.K. Uzama's feelings on this game. Well, first and foremost, he talked to me about his story uh, about Mizzou and uh, the lack thereof of him not going, uh, no recruitment and things like that, and then them trying to come back and give him an offer after he had already uh, kind of committed to Kansas State and uh, the kind of burn that he has because of that. And that's something that's going to allow me to practice harder this week, watch film harder, and then play harder on Saturday, which is because of him. Anytime we have somebody, uh, an SEC team or any team that is prolific uh, as an SEC uh, uh, big-time football team, especially in a rivalry against Mizzou, uh, we're always looking forward to it. It's going to be a challenge. They have a really good team, I believe, uh, athletic guys that are going to challenge us uh, every single play. So we have to be on our P's and Q's all week and just prepare our way to go out here and play a good game on Saturday. And now we bring in the guy who puts his money where his mouth is. And apparently, judging by the amount of money he gambles every weekend, he has a gigantic mouth. My gosh. Folks, uh, this is the true betting whiz. He makes money doing this. So listen to his picks. Subscribe to his newsletter. You don't have a newsletter, do you? Not yet. Not that'd, yet. That'd be good. Uh, Ryan Gills Gilbert of the Go Paracat staff, the Caesar of sports gambling. That didn't work quite as well as I want. <laughs> Again, we're part of the CBS Sports 24-7 Sports Network. We have an arrangement. We have a relationship with Caesar Sportsbook. So those are the lines we're using. So they may not reflect the lines you're seeing on your chosen sports book because, folks, sports betting is legal in Kansas. Would I be allowed to say that it's advised to shop around for the best lines or are we forcing people to bet on Caesars? No, they can do whatever they want. I'm just saying we're Caesars affiliated. We will quote the Caesars lines. Gotcha. But find what works for you. Find the app that works for you, the lines that work for you, the offers that work for you. In fact, I think Ryan Gills Gilbert would tell you, don't be a sucker and have just one app. Multiple apps. Yep. Shop the best lines and uh, win lots of money and then pay fits. Because he hired Ryan Gilbert. Now, see, that's how it works. Yeah, he gets a cut of all my winnings. Yes. A really full schedule. This is a great schedule of games in the Big 12. We've got nine games because one of them is a conference game. KU at West Virginia, we will pick that. And we're going to throw in a bonus game. But what's really cool is we have two incoming schools playing Big 12 opponents and maybe a third incoming school playing a Big 12 opponent, depending on where we go with the Pac-12 stuff. Let's just start off with the big game. Everyone's buzzing about in the country. It's going to be an absolute blowout. Alabama's currently a 20-point favorite at Texas. I think Alabama just absolutely crushes Texas for all the reasons that Nick Saban, almost said Lou Saban, which I think is... You are having yourself a day. I'm really... If you haven't found, if you haven't seen it, uh, my walk and talk is an absolute disaster from Tuesday. It's an absolute disaster. I need a nap. Alabama, 20-point favorite. You say, Ryan Gilbert. I agree with you that Alabama's probably going to steamroll them. I wouldn't be surprised 
if they're up by more than 20 at halftime. Looking back to last season, though, Alabama didn't really blow out too many SEC opponents, and I think that Texas is probably a middle-of-the-pack team in that conference. So I think Alabama wins comfortably. I would have some concern about how much they do win by, but you know, if I'm putting money on it, I would have to put it on Bama, but I'm not like overly confident one way or another. Let's do Iowa State at Iowa because um, this is always an entertaining game. It's always close. The the amazing thing is Iowa is a three and a half point favorite, which means Iowa has to score at least three points, <laughs> which they barely did in beating uh, South Dakota State seven to three with a field goal and two safeties. Man, that Big Ten football! Wow, it's electric. Mm-hmm. Will Iowa State cover three and a half points at Iowa? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't even. Want I wouldn't to... touch this one. No, what the <laughs> last weekend? I don't think you can. Feel confidently one way or another. If I if forced, I would bet Iowa. I would go Iowa State. Really, if I was forced. They, yeah, they always kind of lose this game. But you know, there's going to be an overreaction after Iowa. I think Iowa's obviously better than what we saw last weekend. So some people are going to overreact and bet on Iowa State. But I mean, I would probably pick Iowa State. But no, I'm not not picking anything. Okay, let's do some uh, future Big Twelve games. Houston goes to Texas Tech. This will be a regular occurrence, probably in the future. I would imagine they'll be in a scheduling pod together unless Houston gets shuffled off to the east. Tech is a three-point favorite at home. I'm a little surprised. Should be more? Um, no. No, I think Houston's pretty good. I know they had issues with UTSA in their opener. but Almost lost. UTSA's not bad either. I'm just not sold on Tech yet. I'm just not. Didn't they have a quarterback injury too? Yeah, I'm not sold on them, but I'll disagree with you. I think Tech wins it by at least... Um, at least three. You know, this is a Tech team that beat Houston last season as well. I know they've been a lot, a lot of shakeups with that team in Lubbock, but I mean, I'm just not sold on that team at all. Didn't they go to overtime against UTSA? Yeah. So I just I can't put my money on them. If you're going to bet it, I would advise it to be uh, with Tech. A little Big Twelve after dark. I love it. This is could be a preview of what we're going to see from the future Big Twelve, particularly if they add some more of those Pac-12 teams. Baylor goes to BYU. This will be a future Big 12 matchup. BYU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over, what, ninth-ranked Baylor? I'm impressed. Give me your thoughts on that line. I think Vegas knows something, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, conventional wisdom, you look at all the numbers, the metrics, just looking at it on paper, Baylor checks all the boxes. But I I think Vegas knows something that we don't. And, you know, when you see a line like that, it's it's almost often, uh, more often than not, it's too good to be true. Well, okay. I know um, you're pretty high on on Baylor, though, I'm, aren't you? I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to pick Baylor. I'll go BYU. Wow, contrarian. Uh, here's another interesting game because I think Arizona State will end up in the Big Twelve after the Pac-12 implodes. They are going to Oklahoma State. The Fighting Herm Edwards are an 11 point dog in Stillwater. After the fiasco that Oklahoma State put on the field against Central Michigan, I think they roll. I think they cover this 11. Even though on our questions podcast, you were saying how concerned you were about that Oklahoma State team? I am. I am. I mean, they should be after that second half against Central Michigan. They should be, but I I think Oklahoma State's just far and away a better team. But I also think Arizona State is trash. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And last season, Oklahoma State was one of the best teams against the spread. So definitely Oklahoma State. Uh, here we go. Uh, KU is at West Virginia to open Big 12 play. This game's on ESPN Plus because uh, ESPN loves the Big 12. West Virginia is a 13-point favorite on their home field. 
Do the Mountaineers win by two touchdowns or more? Yes. Wow. And a Do lot of people. Want to slow down with that decision there? <laughs> okay. Tennessee Tech is just god-awful. And people are going to look at a KU victory. How much points? They went by like, what, 40? Yeah. They're going to look at that and say, wow, KU football might actually be somewhat decent. I think KU football is going to be a respectable team in the Big 12 this year. I, are, I really do. What are the odds if KU wins at West Virginia and Neil Brown's fired on Sunday? Pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's probably a 50-50 shot. It happens by the end of the season. Um, I think KU's an okay team. They're going to be a lot better. Leipold's doing some great things, right? We've talked about that a lot. But, I mean, two touchdowns is really not that. I mean, it's a lot of points. But when you're talking in, like, KU football terms, that's like a field goal. So I think West Virginia wins by a couple touchdowns or more. Okay. Well, I've lost one. I, I, I think I've screwed up one of my lines here. We're going to pick one purely non-Big 12 game just because we've picked two of the future teams and and we have Central Florida going to Louisville, UCF. I apologize to everyone in Orlando. UCF going to Louisville. Isn't that game in... I don't know. I'm just it's looking... a home game for UCF, I believe. Well, I'm just so confused. I'm, what have I done here? Let me look it up here if I can find it again. I can't find it. Game is at UCF. Okay. And who's the favorite? Uh, Central Florida, I think, was a touchdown. Okay, yep. That's what I wrote down. I, I really wrote that down wrong. You are having yourself I'm, a day. I, it's, not, it's not been good. I, it's like half my brain just decided not to participate in the activities today. Central Florida. God dang it. Sorry, folks. UCF. I think they're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Louisville, I don't know if you saw this. They got blown out by Syracuse last weekend. And Central Florida put up 600 yards. Only gave up 91 on defense. So... This is one of those games where it's like, am I missing something? Is this too good to be true? I know I just said that about BYU and Baylor, but I think Central Florida is the easy pick here. We I mean, left Cincinnati out this week because they play a Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State. Uh, the second K-State. Uh, yep. Or the third. The Kent State. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we, we didn't pick that one. One game to go. One game. It's in Manhattan, Kansas. You might know about this game. Missouri comes to Kansas State to renew a rivalry, been dormant for 11 years. K-State is an eight-point favorite in my Caesars app here. I think K-State covers. I do, too. And we talked last week about K-State's not showing a lot. I mean, we were right. Like, everything we said was true. They're going to be very vanilla. They're not going to show off much of the playbook. And that's what happened. And they still won by 34. I know South Dakota's not good. I know K-State had some home run plays. Walked punt, you know, a 75-yard touchdown run, but they still won by 34. Let's put it this way. South Dakota in the big spectrum here, somewhere between North Dakota State, South Dakota State, the top of the FCS, and Tennessee Tech at the bottom, they're a lot closer to the top. Sure, sure. So it was a good team. A team that beat South Dakota State last season. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I like K-State by double digits in this game. I won't be surprised if K-State absolutely routes them. I won't. I think... There's something to be said here. There's a lot of recruiting at stake here. Mm-hmm. They've lost. I know Football Josh, and basketball. Yeah, I know Josh Manning was a recruit case they thought they were going to get. Missouri threw an NIL deal at him, as the SEC will do to get him. I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think there's a little bitterness between these staffs and the clownish behavior of Eli Drinkowitz in their video. I think most of the players are going to learn really what this rivalry means to the fans because you mentioned this it just the players didn't really feel the urgency with this game yeah. it's just another power five opponent but no there is something 
um, that these you know fans are going to bring to a sold-out stadium. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. I appreciate it so much. You do a great job with all that, and you might need to seek counseling for the amount you're gambling, but that's okay. It's cool. It's legal in Kansas, so you're kind of off the hook from being a criminal. Let's move forward now as we begin to wrap up our show. It's going to be a great day at the Bill. I hope you can make it out. And if you can't, make sure you're watching along on ESPN2. Every viewer counts now in these days of conference realignment and expansion. Make sure you're locked in on the Wildcats all season long. And all season long on this podcast, I'm going to provide you one part of the game to keep an eye on, something to focus on. And I think every fan who watched Kansas State play last week against South Dakota and then also looked at the statistics whether you saw the game or not and saw how Louisiana Tech scored and moved the ball against Missouri you know that the passing game will be so critical for Kansas State Adrian Martinez was not asked to do much in the passing game a week ago against the Coyotes he threw the ball 15 times completed 11 passes but a total of 53 yards he had maybe the lowest quarterback rating I've ever seen but he didn't turn the ball over so that's a positive I know he can throw it deep, and I know he will throw it deep. And after the Tigers gave up three deep balls to the Louisiana Tech offense after focusing on shutting down the running game of Tech, which is something I assume they will do with Deuce Vaughn and Martinez in the backfield for the Cats, getting those deep strikes will be essential. And will Missouri be better suited for stopping the deep ball and big play? If Kansas State gets physical with Missouri up front, can the Tigers respond and then once they come up to stop the run, can K-State and Adrian Martinez and Colin Klein as offensive coordinator make the Tigers pay? Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Remember, at Robbins, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks and vans and SUVs and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's the Cats and Tigers. The old rivalry is renewed for the first time in 11 years kicking off at 11 a.m at bill snyder family stadium can the cats win we shall find out thank you for listening to the power cat podcast make sure you're subscribing to our show at apple spotify amazon or wherever you get your podcasts power cat podcast all rights reserved go powercat.com. 